Uh, welcome to all of you joining us online. As Pastor Daniel mentioned, we just, as a church, finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's, give yourselves a hand. I suspect the most of you who were clapping are clapping because you're thinking, I can finally break my fast, right? <laughs> I'm going to pretend you're clapping because I just came up here to speak, so that makes me feel better. Um, if you didn't um, know about the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we had this Bible reading plan in the, the Bible app. And the Bible app is awesome. If you don't have it on your phone or mobile device already, I suggest you try it. Um, every day there was a devotional thought, and then there were also passages of scripture, and there were verses that we could read each day. And a really cool thing is that everybody participating also was able to share their reflections and their thoughts as they, uh, as they went through these readings. And that really reminded me of the importance of how we are not meant to follow Jesus alone, uh, the importance of being in community not only encourages us, but we can walk alongside each other. And then the things that, that we share in our lives uh, actually really have more impact on other people's lives than you may realize. And I know some of the things that people wrote really inspired me and challenged me in different ways or encouraged me. So um, I was gonna, I'm going to start off this morning by sharing something that I learned from the whole 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, and I should explain that when we talk about fasting, it doesn't mean that we are asking people to not eat for 21 days. Now, I know there are exceptional people that can do that, but um, often there are, we fast from food, so we may be, some people may have fasted from meals or certain types of food, uh, but there are other things that we, we can fast from. I know some people fasted from things like social media, and the whole point, kind of in a nutshell, is that um, whatever we fasted from is something that when we want to go to that and spend time doing that or consuming that, instead we stop and we spend time investing in our relationship with God. And so that's why, as Pastor Daniel was saying, I think these past three weeks we feel like have hopefully really been a, a refreshing time for us to kind of go deeper in our relationship with God. Um, so a lot of you know that I drink uh, soda, but even though it's not good for me, I'm a, I'm a unabashed Pepsi drinker, and I always feel like everybody around me drinks Coke, but that's okay. <laughs> I embrace it. And um, so actually, a long time ago, I'd, for Lent one year, I gave up drinking soda, and Lent's 40 days, and actually, that was pretty challenging. But as these 21 days approached, I really didn't, I probably should put more thought into it. I thought, okay, I'm going to fast soda for 21 days. And um, the problem is, I realized that I actually don't drink nearly as much soda as I used to, which, which is good for my health. <laughs> But for the fast, it wasn't as impactful because I didn't, like, I didn't have these cravings for a good Pepsi every day. And so the fasting from soda for me actually didn't give me the opportunity to stop and remind myself I need to go spend time with God. So my takeaway, and for any of you who, who are going to try fasting again, is that you should pick something that you do not only every day, maybe even multiple times a day, so that uh, you have more opportunities to really stop and quiet yourself and say, God, I'm going to turn to you instead of turning to these other things that, that clamor for my attention, these things that I find fulfillment in or just or feel like I even waste my time doing, whatever, um, so that I think uh, you have more opportunity to, um, to devote that time to God. And so for me, I kind of felt like that was a fasting fail. But like I said, the, all the, the comments as people shared their, their thoughts about the readings each day were really impactful to me. And as I read through them, I felt like there, was, uh, there were many times when people were talking about how we often desire things that are not God and how all these things that we fill our lives with, we often put in priority before God. And I felt like there were many people who were writing comments about how 
um, that we have this need to prioritize God above all these other things in our lives. And so, as Pastor Daniel mentioned, we're starting this new series called The Story. And um, we're going to spend, we're going to take a look at the Bible from the beginning, the book of Genesis, to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And you're, you may be thinking, well, that's going to take years. But we're going to squish it down into six weeks. And what's going to be really cool, as you can anticipate this, is that um, as Pastor Daniel has mentioned recently, the Bible is not, the purpose of the Bible is not to give us answers. The purpose of the Bible is to share with us the, the story. As all that you look at the truths and the stories weaving in through Scripture, that there's this what we call a meta narrative of the Bible that's going to explain to us how God really wants to be in relationship with us, how He's worked throughout history toward that end, and how He's working now to continue to be in relationship with us. And I think that's just, that will help us as we've done this 21 days of prayer and fasting to really prioritize our relationship with God. Um, as we continue to look through the Bible. Um, and then the other thing as we do these next six weeks, just kind of as a reminder, because I've experienced this in churches, we're not studying the Bible just to kind of fill our heads with knowledge. We're studying the Bible, um, as Pastor Daniel has told us, that because it impacts the way we live. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's just in our heads, right? It has to transform our lives. And I believe it has the power to do that. So, so I'm excited for these next six weeks. I'm excited to start it off today. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that um, describes God's original attention when he created us as humans. And I think that's going to help us realize that why we struggle with, with our relationship with God. And we're going to see also in the Bible where uh, it gives us answers of what we can do to prioritize God first, to live the way God created us. So where better to start than the beginning? The first words of the Bible are in the beginning, all right? And that's the book of Genesis. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. Um, we're going to, Genesis chapter 1 is packed with a lot of stuff, so we're going to focus on two main points toward the end of chapter 1. I feel like, though, I would be remiss if I didn't give, like, a little synopsis of what's going on in Genesis chapter 1, especially if you're not that familiar with the Bible or you're not familiar with this, this particular book in the Bible. So I'm going to, I'm, give me three minutes to do a little synopsis of Genesis chapter 1, just so to set the stage for this whole biblical narrative that we're going to look at. Um, and I'm going to try to bring out a few of the highlights that I think are going to be important for us to remember. So Genesis chapter 1, that lays out, you've got this kind of uh, omniscient narrator that describes the seven days of creation, where God created for seven days, where he brought everything into being, okay? And this, this book has, it's created all kinds of controversies, it has caused divisions and disagreements and strife and how people interpret this. Um, people have questions like, were these seven days actual 24-hour periods, or what, what does this say about evolution, or where did, the, where did the dinosaurs come in? We're not going to answer any of those questions today. I'd be happy to talk about them more other, other times, but um, so like I said, the, the Bible isn't here. It often leaves us with more questions than answers. I know in my complicated relationship with the Bible, I've, I've studied like different ways to read the Bible. I've looked at how do we interpret and study the Bible in diff- with different methods, and I still, there are so many passages where I still, I don't know I don't know what God's trying to say here. Or there's so many issues that I, I'm just not clear on what the Bible says to these certain issues. <clears throat> and so um, don't feel bad if as we go more through the Bible when you start reading and you just, you're left with more questions. Um, and remember that the overarching purpose of the Bible is to help us be in relationship with God and see how God is working toward that end to be in relationship with us. Yeah. Um, so I think there's actually... Okay, so what happens here is over the seven days, God does, he has this order to creation. He creates things and then he differentiates things. Okay, so he creates things like, he says, let there be light. And there's light. He cre- creates uh, the, 
um, the creatures of the land, for the fish of the sea. He creates humans. <clears throat> but each day after he creates, he also differentiates. So he separates the light from the darkness. He separates the land from the water. So what God is doing is he's bringing order into creation. So I think this is an important thing to know what God does here. He didn't just say big bang and everything was there. He creates things in this purpose order, a purposeful order. Um, you look in, if you, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but in verse 2 it talks about how the, when God creates um, everything, uh, the earth was formless and void. So God actually um, takes chaos, actually creates out of nothing, which is only God creates out of nothing. Like we create things as humans, other people in the Bible create things, but God creates things out of nothing. And he, um, he, create, he puts order into the chaos. Okay, so God's bringing order through these first, for this first chapter of the Bible. Um, a couple other highlights, God actually speaks in the creation. He doesn't just think it. It's a, and so the question remains, if no one's there to hear it, did he actually speak? Does a tree fall in the forest? Whatever. But I believe God's word is powerful. As we look through the Bible, God's word is very powerful and God speaks into creation. We'll see God's word appear throughout the biblical narrative. Um, the other thing that I think is important is God is the, God's the author of creation, so God is not equal to creation. He doesn't just think and it appears. And if we put everything in creation together, that does not equal God. God is separate and distinct from creation. But his fingerprint is upon creation, all right? So um, that's important to remember. God is completely other than his creation, but he created it to be in relationship with us, if you remember what I've been saying. Um, then we're going to look at day six. Because the rhythm of the cre- seven days of creation is that God creates things, he differentiates things, and he steps back each day. He sits in his lazy chair and pops open a cold Pepsi, and he says, that was good. And he looks at his creation and he reflects and says, that was a good day. I created some good stuff. That happens for five days, and the sixth day at the end of creation, the sixth day is when humans are created. Sixth day is where we're going to focus on today, because we're humans and we like to talk about ourselves. But um, at the end of the sixth day, God sits back and says, it was very good. So a little tip when you're saying the Bible, when you see a rhythm of something and then something changes when you're reading the Bible, that might mean it's important. So God says it is very good, and the Hebrew word this is originally written in, it kind of has the sense of it was abundantly good. And the other difference in um, the other five days, God says it was good, and um, this appears in some translations. It's uh, end of day six, God says, indeed, it was very good, or behold, it was very good. So day six is special. There's something to note about day six, and that's why we're going to look at that today. So we're going to read uh, Genesis chapter 1, 27 through 31. We'll have it up here. You can, if you have the Bible app, which I recommend, you can open that too. Um, let me read that um, aloud, and you can follow along silently. <clears throat> uh, Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky on all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So two, the two main points we're going to focus on here, if you look in verse 27. Verse 27 tells us that 
and this is very important, that we are made in God's image, every human, that God created humankind in his image. We're going to talk about that a little bit because it's important, but um, then we're going to focus a lot on the second point, which is in verse 28. Verse 28 talks about how God created us to rule the world. That He says, subdue the earth, fill it, rule over the animals and the, and the fish. Um, any of you remember the 80s band, Tears for Fears? Thank you. <laughs> I was getting worried there that no one listens to 80s music. Um, what was one of their big hits? Everybody wants to rule the world. Yes, so Tears for Fears was uh, reading Genesis chapter 1 when they wrote that. I, I don't think that's true, but I can imagine. Um, so that, but this verse explains that that's, how God, what God, that's part of the purpose that God created us for. And um, we're going to look at, well, so that whole, every, the whole uh, ruling the world thing, as you look at that, that, that word actually has this other sense of be responsible for the world or, or to take charge of, and um, other translations will say, bring it under your control. Okay, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's look at verse 27 first. Being made in God's image. It's kind of a... So I just said God is distinct from creation. <clears throat> so how can we actually be made in God's image? And this is a very, uh, this is a very deep... This is worth a lot of extensive Bible study. But um, there's two, I think there's two important applications that, that we need to remember. Okay, we need to remember that I am made in God's image as ourselves. We are made in God's image. But we also have to remember that everybody else is also made in God's image. Right? And that's hard to remember sometimes. Um, but for ourselves, it's important that we see ourselves. God made us for dignity. God made us for worth. Many of us have had very difficult journeys of, of self-worth in our lives. But um, ultimately, we are a child of God, and we are beloved by him. Um, no matter what, this is important, I think, for some people to remember that no matter what we were told as a kid or at some point in our lives, no matter what abuse we may have experienced, no matter what society tells us we should be, ultimately our core identity is that we are a beloved child of God. And we need to hear that. I think we need to live it out often. Um, we need to be reminded. Okay, so we are made in God's image, but also others are made in God's image. And so, especially people who are different than us, it's easy to see God's image in people that we like but people who are on the opposite political spectrum from us, they're made in God's image. Uh, people who have different beliefs and faith backgrounds, they're made in God's image. People from strange cultures that we're not used to, they're made in God's image. Uh, the person that cuts me off on the freeway is made in God's image. Even Lakers fans are made in God's image. What is, so what did Jesus, so Jesus was asked at one point, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does he say the second greatest commandment is? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's helpful to know that other people are made in God's image if we are going to live out that commandment and love our neighbors. And we see from, Jesus also tells a story about the Good Samaritan and that helps us realize that Neighbors aren't just the people that live around us. Neighbors are people who, um, who are different than us. And then Jesus, being typical Jesus, he kicks it up a notch, and he also teaches, love your enemies. Your enemies are made in God's image. And that can be a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Um, not, not only are we to love people who are different than us, but we're to love people who are anti-us. And so... Um, 
It's a truth, but it's, it's a difficult truth. All right, so why don't we do this? Let's go back to verse 28. All right, so this is the member tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. We were created for a sense of ruling over creation. God, in his order of creation on the sixth day, uh, humans were prioritized to be a part of ruling over creation. We even see that in, um, we're not looking at Genesis chapter 2, but the Garden of Eden. That's where our church is named Eden after this. Um, we were created to tend and steward the Garden of Eden, and that's the, that's the mission that God gave uh, the humans that he created. And so you maybe think, well, it might be nice to rule the world, but I feel like, if you're like me, I feel like I can't even rule my dog, right? And <laughs> I can't even rule my Alexa, because when I ask it to do something, it says, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question, right? Apologies to anybody watching in their kitchen who I just triggered their, their device. But um, the problem is we try to rule the world the way that the world tells us to rule. And that's, that's through power. We try to rule with uh, and control our lives through, um, through money. We try to rule with, with technology. We try to gain power through uh, information. We try to gain power through our intellect. And ultimately, all that power, what it's for, is not just for the sake of having power. The ultimate purpose that we try to do that is because we want to have control. Control. Control is something that we crave for in our lives. I know it's, it's, it's difficult. It doesn't feel good when you don't have control. That's, I can attest to, attest to that. Um, but we want control. We want to manipulate our circumstances. We want to manipulate people so that we have control and we, don't, we aren't faced with unexpected things. Um, I know that's for me. I, I hate walking into spontaneous situations and not knowing what to expect. Um, but the whole Desire for control is actually, if you look, I think we're going to look at this next week in Genesis chapter 3. That's the re- we want to be in control. That's the reason that sin enters this world. Because Adam and Eve, the first humans, desired, desired to be like God. And they wanted control. And the, this, so this desire for control, it's, it's innate, but it's also something that keeps us from putting God first in our lives. And it keeps us from ruling the way God wants us to rule because we want to be in charge. We want to be in charge. Um, the way I fight this is that I have to always remind myself, and as I read through Scripture and as I've experienced in my whole journey as a follower of Jesus, I, I, I've realized that God is not only a loving God, but God has my best interests in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And not only does he have those in mind, but he, um, he, knows, my, he knows what's good for me even better than I do. Yeah. I'm reminded by, uh, there's a verse in Jeremiah 29 that talks about how God knows the plans he has for me, and those plans are to prosper me and not to harm me. He plans to give me a future and a hope. And I really lean on that because I hold on tight to my plans so often. Um, I like to plan. And planning is not bad, but often we hold on so tightly we miss out on what God has planned for us because we want to have control. Um, I go to, I just, last weekend I, was at this, I go to these high-performance driving events. And so after, we're, after we do these track sessions, we have these classroom sessions where we debrief. And one of the ladies last weekend was saying how she realized... She has like a death grip on her steering wheel when she's out on the track. And so we were talking about how when you actually have a relaxed grip, you can actually um, go through turns more smoothly. And, so, and then one of the guys in the class also shared how, for those of you who are golfers, um, like you have to have a good grip on your golf club, but when you're just white knuckling, holding your golf club and not letting the club do the work, then um, you're more likely to slice it or hook it or, or whatever you, or whiff it and not, not even hit it. I won't say that I've never swung and missed the ball, but I know it happens. <laughs> um, but when we hold our plans loosely, then uh, we 
It's easier for us to give God control and not take control on our own, which is an important part of um, living out God's intention for us. Okay, so how do we do that? We fast forward to Jesus. Jesus, we're going to look at John chapter 1. You may think it always feels good to bring it back to Jesus because that's why we're here. So this part is the Jesus part. Um, John, so Genesis 1, you may see God was there in creation. Um, The Holy Spirit, you see in verse 1 or 2, is hovering over the waters. Uh, So where's Jesus in the mix? Jesus is in John chapter 1. So listen to this for a second. Um, I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that, light, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we see Jesus here referred to as the Word. And that, if you're not familiar with this passage, that might be kind of strange. Again, that's another extensive Bible study, but let me just say that um, the Greek word that this is written in is logos, and if you were a Jewish reader at the time or even a Greek reader, you'd, you'd associate this word, word, with God in some sense. And as you look deeper into chapter 1 of John, John 1.14, it says that the word was made flesh. And that more explicitly refers to Jesus coming to earth. We just celebrated Christmas, and that's what we celebrate, that Jesus has come to earth as a baby. So... Um, I'm going to ask you just to trust me that word here refers to Jesus. And Jesus was with God in the beginning, it says. It says Jesus was part of everything that was created. And it says that, um, what's, so what's kind of mind-blowing is that, again, remember we said God is distinct from creation. He's completely other than creation. But through Jesus, God enters into creation. You have to let that settle in. God enters into, into his creation as Jesus. And that's important because... Jesus is the one who bridges this gap between our completely other creator and us, sinful, uh, fallible human beings. Um, remember, it's this, he's the kind of culmination. In the Bible, we'll see, we'll see God wanted to be in relationship with us. He chooses Abraham to uh, begin his, to be the father of, the, his descendants are to become God's chosen people. And through Abraham, through his descendants, through the, the, um, the people of Israel, God uh, wants to reveal himself to the world and get people into a relationship with him. But that, and they go through a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs, but then we get to, uh, to Jesus. And Jesus is really the culmination of the way that God provides for us to be in relationship with him. And Jesus demonstrates for us how to rule the world, and he provides a way. The way he provides a way is that um, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 says, the kingdom of God is at hand. So it's through Jesus that actually this whole ruling thing where we rule really imperfectly, we try to rule with power and control things ourselves, it's when Jesus comes that this perfect rule begins to reestablish itself the way that God intended creation to be. And uh, it's through Jesus' life, his death and resurrection that he enables us as he went to the cross to, uh, to pay the penalty for our sins that he enables us by putting our faith in him and receiving his forgiveness. We can have a relationship. We can bridge this gulf with our creator. And so our creator, our heavenly father, can actually use us to uh, be a part of what he's doing in creation, to bring his light, to share, bring his peace, to share his glory, to, to bring perfect rule into creation. And then Jesus um, is raised from the dead, and when he leaves the earth, he leaves us with the Holy Spirit. 
In the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we talked about the Holy Spirit a bit, but um, that's, the Holy Spirit empowers us. If we are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in us, and the Holy Spirit allows us and equips us and strengthens us to do God's work here on earth. So as images of God, this, how does Jesus um, model this for us? There's a passage in Philippians chapter 2 that I love. It talks about how Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Other translations say he emptied himself. And he took the nature of a servant. Servant. Servanthood is a key piece of this whole puzzle about ruling. Jesus demonstrates that that we're not... Well, so you might be thinking that, you know, does that mean we're supposed to be doormats because doormats are walked on? And, and that's not what it's saying. It's saying that we're not to live out our lives as masters of power and coercion in our, in our world. We're to live out our lives as servants, the way that Jesus demonstrated for us, and the way he provides a way for us, that we're to put control in God's hands. And I know, in my, again, in my faith journey, Another verse that I always talk about is from Isaiah 55, that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I don't see the perspective and so it's often hard for me to let go of control and trust God, but um, when I take the time to try to get that perspective and take the time to let go of my plans, then I feel like I can get more in line with God, how God wants to use me in this world and how God wants to do that in in a relationship with him. Because if we don't operate in this world as servants, we end up contributing to the, the evil and brokenness that currently rule in this world. Um, we begin to contribute, we, can, we, we implicitly contribute to the, the violence and oppression and abuse and exploitation that happens all around us. Um, after being um, fighting in the fighting human trafficking field for the past 12 years, there's this one quote that I've probably said hundreds of times. Um, and it goes like this, it says, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is that good people do nothing. So we can't just say, you know, my relationship with God is private. It's between him and me. Um, It doesn't affect the rest of my life. God put us here in creation in our specific spheres of influence to be his light, to share his glory, to bring peace in the spheres where we live. Um, The good news for followers of Jesus is that, uh, unlike that quote, we know that evil will not win in the end. We know, yes, we know when we get to the book of Revelation that uh, through Jesus' resurrection, God has already conquered death and that he will return to reign um, when all of the evil and, and the enemy and the world, while they have, God has given, allowed them to have power now, um, God will return in power and cast out all that. So that is the good news that we look forward to. But again, that doesn't mean we just kind of insulate ourselves from the world and just focus on God like a, like a monk. I have nothing against monks, but um, there's a passage in Matthew 25 where Jesus says, um, it's about the sheep and the goats, if you're familiar with that. He he separates at the final judgment those whom he will welcome into his kingdom and those whom he'll say, I never knew you. The ones he welcomes into his kingdom are those who have fed the hungry. They have given water to the thirsty. They have clothed the needy. They have visited the prisoner in prison. They have cared for the sick. And so our public actions are an expression of our personal relationship with God. And that's one of the ways that God wants to use us in recreating the peace of creation that God, as God originally intended it to be. So in this, uh, in this 21 days, I hope that you have uh, come to like a fresher, fresher place in your relationship with God. Um, 
I think the important thing, though, for today is to remember that it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with just going deeper with God. It leads us into engagement with the world that God has placed us in, with a world that's broken and a world that's dark and needs light, a world that needs healing, and the, the, the type of healing and light that only God can bring. And then he does it through us. Um, so your assignment or your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to represent God in this world, that you become an agent of his kingdom, building outposts of God's kingdom wherever he has placed you, that um, we can be ambassadors of grace, that we reveal God because we've been made in the image of God. And as that image of God flourishes in us, we are to use that to help the image of God flourish in the people around us. So that may mean in your workplace, God may be calling you to be light to, to colleagues or coworkers that that don't, have never experienced the love and the glory and the grace of God. Uh, maybe in your household for, where you find ways to serve your family members or your housemates. Um, it may be in your school, being light to your classmates or being in your neighborhood, uh, stepping out of your comfort zone a little to get to know the people on your street or in your apartment complex so that you can actually find ways to serve them because I'm sure there are ways and there are needs that you can step into. Um, it may just be as a citizen, because we live, as we recognize that we live in a world where there are unjust systems and structures and laws, that people who are, are left behind, people without a voice, and maybe your call is to be a voice for people without a voice. Or even, even as a voter, our, our call is to put servant leaders in place who can help, help the flourishing of God's image to exist in people, um, <clears throat> people who are not experiencing it. Or maybe you are called to a certain cause and, and you, you need to serve directly people who are vulnerable or marginalized or outcast. And there are so many um, organizations that directly work with people who need to experience Jesus' love and they need the, the peace of God bringing everything back into right relationship in their situations. And maybe uh, you are called to work with people who are homeless or people in poverty, people who are with food insecurities, people who have been trafficked, people who have been abused, those who might be addicted, these are all ways that God wants to use us to be a part of recreating creation. Remember, so as we close this whole meta-narrative of the Bible, um, our end game isn't just for God to take us away to some cloud somewhere and watch as he burns the earth up in all of its evilness. God is actually recreating the new heavens and new earth here because he created a good. Remember, it was good, it was good, and it was very good. God is restoring this concept of shalom um, this Hebrew concept where everything is back in right relationship with one another, where humans are in right relationship with God and humans are in right relationship with one another and humans are in right relationship with all creation. And God calls us to be a part of that. The verse I always talk about is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us. This is the key thing. He's entrusted us, us lowly humans, with this message of reconciliation. We are God's ambassadors here on earth. And this is our greater purpose. So I pray that um, you can come away just with a question in your mind, an answer hopefully, but how is God calling you to rule your sphere of influence as a servant, as someone who is made in the image of God, uh, so that you can serve others as Jesus served and so that others around you can have the image of God flourish in them as well. And finally, if maybe you've never experienced this relationship with our holy creator, maybe this is a time where you're thinking, this God who is completely what we call transcendent, other than us, and inaccessible, he's holy. There's no way we could reach God if he didn't initiate the relationship with us. 
But God has done that through Jesus, and maybe today is when you put your faith in Jesus and receive his forgiveness so that you can enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father and Creator and live into the purpose that he's called you to and join the family of God that is here on mission in the world to help recreate shalom and put things back into right relationship as God is currently at work rebuilding and recreating all that he created. If, you, if, that's, if that's you, then there will be a prayer team at the table back there on my left during this next song. Um, come talk to me afterwards. Go to the Connect Center. We'd love to walk this journey with you. Like I said, being in community is important. We don't do this following Jesus as a, as a solo person. Um, we would love to resource you and be together in this. So let's pray. God, thank you that you are at work now, that you are a good God, a loving God in whom we can trust, and that you created everything good, Lord, but we ask for your forgiveness in the ways that we have contributed to just a broken and fallen creation. And I pray that you'll change our hearts, change our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to step into our call to rule as people who are called to bring peace to the world around us, to bring light, to bring healing, to bring hope. May we be people who are your ambassadors uh, to share the grace, uh, the abundant grace of God that we have experienced. May May others experience that through us as you call us to be part of what you are doing in this world to bring your healing and your hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.